we're entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. Welcome to the Tyler Morgan Show, live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app, or listening on demand wherever you happen to get your podcast today. Oh my goodness. Busy, busy, busy. I just have oof. I don't even know where to start. It has been so absolutely insane with everything that's going on in the news, much less uh all the stuff that's going on, you know, everywhere else that just drives you completely batty. Um, but before I get into it, let's talk about coffee. Um, American Pride Roasters is really one of my favorite, favorite blends. One of the favorite brands of coffee that I have ever purchased. Uh, Unfortunately, right now, Dave and Faith are working on rebuilding after a tornado has taken out their home and, you know, where he roasted his coffee beans and packaged them up in his garage. So as they continue to rebuild, uh, keep checking back with APRCoffee.com and just keep an eye on when their product is going to become available again. Um, again, it's it's one of those things. I'm asking it right now. You don't flood them with orders, and that's just because, like I said, they're they're trying to get everything going again. He has to wait for new coffee to come in. He has to wait till he gets his uh roasters rebuilt because everything he had, he built himself. So again, just keep American pride roasters. There are people there, you know, Dave and faith, Mr. Clarence, the amazing dog. Who's a retired service dog. Keep them all in your prayers and just keep watching. And then when they come of it, whenever they go back on sale, be sure to order your coffee from American pride roasters. They are historically, Great coffee. All right. So getting into it, um, there's just so much. I don't even know where to begin. Um, really, I need to definitely talk about the whole Brian Stelter thing. We've known for forever that news media on both sides has a tendency to propagate stories that push narratives that they want. Um, Fox News is not above the fray as far as, you know, having stories that aren't exactly the most truthful or they're just trying to push a certain, uh, the certain narrative that they want. And yeah, most of the time, you know, we all know it's like 
you can see a story on Fox News, and if you're a conservative, you can go, you know, uh, I want to believe it, but I'm going to have to do my own verification. This happens all fairly regularly. I like to think that we're a little bit better at not just jumping on the bandwagon, but then again, uh, the whole Eric Greitens thing, there's a, a lot of questions that have come up on that. And as far as the uh, allegations made against him, as far as being an abusive father, an abusive husband, that I cannot say for sure that it's believable. And again, I don't know their marriage. I haven't been privy to it. I haven't been privy to the way he interacts with his children or with his ex-wife. I couldn't tell you. So it, I'm just kind of letting that one float out there as it is. But for the last four or five years, really almost, almost six years now, we have watched CNN, especially with the rise of Donald Trump, and really, after the election of Donald Trump, oh my God, they have really just gone off the deep end when it comes to uh, the reporting. And it's not just on Donald Trump. Um, if there is a narrative that can be spun to make Trump supporters or conservatives look bad, they jump all over it. And we saw this with the Nick Sandman incident. But recently, Brian Stelter and Ann Applebaum and a number and a couple other, I think Jonah Goldberg was there at the University of Chicago giving a lecture about fake news. And the lack of self-awareness from this particular crowd is truly amazing. I don't know how you can be giving a lecture on being able to identify fake news, but at the same time, you just ignore everything that your side there at your particular publication, whether it be CNN, whether it be the Atlantic, the New York Times, Washington Post, in be able to go, oh, look at all the fake news over there, and just ignore everything you're purveying on your side. But when everybody's favorite potato got roasted by a college freshman, oh, it was glorious. My name is Christopher Phillips. I'm a first year at the college. Uh, my question is for Mr. Seltzer. Uh, you've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation, uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. They pushed the Jesse Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, is it time to finally declare that the uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is 
dead or no longer operative. Stakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? It's too bad, it's time for lunch. <laughs> you have 30 uh, seconds. No, I mean, there's a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds, but, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. All right, so I'm going to pause it right there. I will let him go on to continue to dodge the question. He said when these outlets make a mistake, they should own up to it and admit it. Well, one of the problems with this is that so many on the left, CNN included, um. They had some issues with being able to find where they were wrong. Well, this is an old article from The Intercept. It's actually from uh, January 2019, so well over three years old. But um, this is from Glenn Greenwald, you know, the founder of The Intercept, who left the intercept because it became too crazy left wing for him, a liberal reporter. And I'm not going to read the whole story, but this is uh, beyond Buzzfeed, the 10 worst, most embarrassing U S media failures on the Trump Russia story. So this is just Trump Russia. Yep. And it goes on. Uh, and and it has the the offending party listed uh fortune uh rt hacked into and took over c span yeah on 2017 fortune claimed that rt the russian america news channel had hacked into and taken over c span and that c span allegedly confirmed it had been hacked uh no it had and it just the number of left wing reporters that just bought in. I see number nine. This is from Washington Post. Russian hackers invaded the U.S. electric grid to deny Vermonters heat during the winter. And it goes on. It has uh, you know, Patrick Leahy, his reaction. Uh, Telegraph reporting on it, ABC News reporting on it, but then Washington Post comes back in later and uh, Russian government hackers do not appear to have targeted the Vermont utility, uh, says people close to the investigation. As federal officials investigate suspicious internet activity found last week on a Vermont utility computer, they are finding evidence that the incident is not leaked to any Russian government effort to target or hack the utility. 
Officials told the company that traffic with this particular address found elsewhere in the country and is not unique to Burlington Electric, suggesting the company wasn't being targeted by Russians. Indeed, officials say that the traffic is benign since the particular IP address is not always connected to malicious activity. Uh, whoops. Washington Post. A new deranged anonymous group declares mainstream political sites on the left and right to be Russian propaganda outlets, and Washington Post touts its reports touts its report to claim massive Kremlin infiltration of the internet. And it just kind of goes on. It talks about a number of sites. And again, surprise, surprise. Um, when it found out that uh, Washington Post had been played. Yeah, they had to uh, issue a editor's note about one of these groups. Prop or not, that they could not actually verify. Um, Cannot verify the claims. Nope. Ah, here's a CNN one. Again, Brian Stelter. I've never seen this. This is a completely different channel than, than I've been watching. Trump aide Anthony Scaramucci is involved in a Russian hedge fund under Senate investigation. Yeah, that came up in CNN politics that Congress was investigating Russian investment fund with ties to Trump officials. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, a few days later, uh, actually the next day, on June 22nd, 2017, CNN.com published a story connecting Anthony Scaramucci with investigators into Russian direct investment fund. That story did not meet CNN's editorial standards and has been retracted. Links to the story have been disabled. CNN apologizes to Mr. Scaramucci. And then, you know, there were journalists that resigned. Now, NBC, MSNBC, and the CIA, we all remember the the sonic weapon attacking diplomats, i.e. spies, at the Cuban embassy using a super sophisticated sonic microwave weapon. Yeah, it turns out the noises that had been recorded weren't from a sonic weapon. They were from crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. Yes. A very particular breed of cricket was making U.S. diplomats ill, just from their just from their chirping. Uh, another story that came from Slate that turned out to be false. Trump created a secret internet server to covertly communicate with the Russian bank. Yeah, um, that one uh, came up from Jake Sullivan. Yeah, um, that was a bunch of propaganda released by the Hillary campaign. It just happened to leak to Slate. Turns out. Oh, and there's some great tweets about from uh, Hillary Clinton. Four things you need to know about the Trump Organization's secret server to communicate with the Russian Alpha Bank. One, Donald Trump has a secret server. Yes, Donald Trump. Uh, funny Hillary saying that. It was set up to communicate privately with a Putin-tied Russian bank called Alpha Bank. When a reporter asked about it, they shut it down. 
One week later, they created a new server with a different name for the same purpose. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Um, the Intercept. They investigated it and yeah, they they couldn't back it up. And then uh, Washington Post reporting on that secret Trump Russia email server link is uh, likely neither secret nor a Trump Russia leak. Ooh. Then there were uh, accusations that Paul Manafort visited Julian Assange three times in the Ecuadorian embassy and nobody noticed, which is really weird because he was living a full on exile life where, you know, no one was visiting him eventually. But uh, it eventually came out. Yeah, there's no proof that this could ever happen. And he's just gone. CNN explicitly lied about Lanny Davis being its source for a story whose substance <laughs> was also false. That Cohen would testify that Trump knew in advance about the Trump Tower meeting. Yeah, this was a huge story. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Donald Trump, he knew that this uh, meeting with uh, between Paul Jr. and this uh, this person that he said, they said it was about uh, about adoptions, and then uh, they they tried to give him dirt on Hillary, and then they walked out of the meeting. Trump knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Turns out that, no, Trump didn't know about it. And despite CNN, BuzzFeed News, and a whole bunch of other people, it's like, uh, no, that is not true. Number one, the content of the story is absolutely false and made up. Number two, the person who leaked the story didn't leak the story. Then there was a story that came out from BuzzFeed that Robert Mueller possessed internal emails and witness interviews proving Trump directed Cohen to lie to Congress. And that had all old Mr. Balloon pencil neck uh, Adam Schiff. It had him all, all in a stir because, oh, if he directed him to lie, he needs to be impeached. Well, it turns out that was not accurate as well. Seriously, but Brian Stelter, oh, this is not, not any of the media that I'm watching, but then he continues to deflect. But when Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden. The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business that people don't see, that people don't hear. They imagine that it's a, a situation that simply is not. But I think your question, it speaks to the failure of journalism to show our work and show the reality of how our profession operates. We have a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah, that's the only 
that's the only true thing he said any of that. You know, and he deflects to uh, the Fox News reporter who lost part of a half a leg, one foot, had his hand badly damaged, badly injured. And yeah, I'm not downplaying anything that happened to uh, the Fox reporter. I'm not. I'm not going to downplay anything that the reporters from the, the other news agencies did to provide aid and to help recover the bodies of those who were killed in that attack. What they did on the ground, absolutely amazing work, and I give them the highest praise that is possible. But that had nothing to do with the story. It was a complete and total deflection. The only thing that he said was true is that sometimes journalists fail to show their work. And really, it's not necessarily journalists. A lot of the times, it's the anchors. It's Don Lemon crying over Jesse Smollett being, you know, being convicted. And just being just so irate that that white guys in Chicago on a night when it's 20 below zero would beat up this gay black man and and, and call him call him mean names for gay people and say welcome to MAGA country while gently placing a noose made out of cotton clothesline around his neck. Yeah. But then again, we can't say that, you know, he did anything wrong, that he knowingly pushed a false narrative when, you know, people like, you know, Joe Lockhart at CNN jumps on Twitter during the uh, Republican National Committee when uh, Nick Sandman is giving a speech in support of Donald Trump, when someone like Joe Lockhart, right after CNN paid a an undisclosed settlement to Nick Sandman after being busted slandering him on. TV news libeling him in printed in print well, I say print in online news news reporting and news articles they pay this you know huge settlement I don't know how much it was that was a that was not a that was not made public as part of the deal they pay the settlement. You have someone like Joe Lockhart jumps on Twitter and calls him a snot-nosed, entitled kid from Kentucky. Um, Joe, did 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 you have to take a pay cut so they could afford to uh, pay that settlement? Surely, you you don't remember what happened when, you know. Your company was had to say, "Hey, yeah, we may have a, uh, we may have slandered this poor kid for no reason," and it turns out the uh, the guy who 
is the one who initiated that encounter, that Nathan Phillips dude, the Indian guy. It turns out he was a crap bag Marine who was AWOL and had missing time in his record, meaning he was is either the time while he was AWOL or the or he was, you know, in jail being incarcerated. That counts towards lost time. But you know, why 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 just assume this old guy beating a drum would ever be be within the range of being able to be reproached because you know, surely, surely a man with that much honor willing to fight for his country, even though he never did, willing to enlist in the Marine Corps that he went AWOL from. He would never do something so bad. And they left out all the video of the group of kids waiting on the bus at the assigned point, you know, the assigned rally point being harassed by uh, the black Hebrew national group, black Hebrew Israelites, whatever they call themselves, the black nationalists. No, we're the real Jews. We're the real chosen people. Those other Jews are a bunch of fakers. Um, yeah, those guys being racist a-holes and taunting a bunch of kids who are just waiting to get on a bus. We can't have that footage that shows the full context of what was going on. You know, CNN pushing the uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse was a murderer line. I mean, the fake news was there. Um, there's another clip I don't have of, of Ms. Applebaum. She is asked about, you know, the dismissal of the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. And she's like, yeah, frankly, it didn't interest me. It's like, really? A laptop computer is right there. Belonging to the son of a presidential candidate. And it purports to have evidence of of peddling influence during his time as vice president. And that doesn't pique your curiosity at all. Obviously the people on that panel were chosen perfectly because of the levels of false narrative. They were more than happy to produce. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. So I'm going to talk to you about Built Bar. 
We've all had protein bars before. Most of them taste like cardboard and they're gross, nasty. It leave a funky aftertaste in your mouth. Built Bar, their goal for starting off was flavor first. Every bar is covered in either pure dark chocolate or white chocolate for those special ones that come out. You have nine regular flavors, and then they have the special flavors they bring out every so often. They are absolutely amazing. But personally, my favorite, mint brownie. Oh, my God. So go to Built.com. Check it out. Go to their selection of Built Bars. Built Go Energy Drink. Uh, Built Broth. All their all their fine selections of amazing products. Built.com. Use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10%. Built.com. All right, getting back into it, um, I I got thirty minutes to cover three stories. First off, I would like to congratulate KBJ. Yes, that's right. Katanji Brown Jackson is now Associate Supreme Court Justice. Katanji Brown Jackson. Well, at least she will be at after the end of the session when Justice Breyer officially retires and then she gets sworn into the court. But uh, with all the to-do that's being made about her being, she's the first black female justice on the Supreme Court. Oh, my my heart is all a flutter. Oh, my God. There's a lot of questions to be had about how they're putting her on the pedestal they are when I mean she's not a biologist. She can't define what a woman is. Now, granted, there are some key biological things that define what a woman is. You know, primary sex organs for a female human being consisting of, you know, a vagina, a cervix, a uterus, uh, ovaries, fallopian tubes, generally speaking. And then you have, you know, secondary, secondary sexual characteristics. Uh, but, you know, again, they're secondary. You know, even men have boobs. That one really doesn't matter too much. There are certain ways you can define what a woman is. And then the whole, you know, we shouldn't be identifying people by their race, because especially if um, the president has said, I'm going to nominate a black woman. And then does, is she qualified? Like, now don't be wrong. If Joe Biden had the entire, you know, the entire palette to choose from of every most qualified judge in the country to sit on the Supreme Court to fill that vacancy when Justice Breyer retires, and he ended up with Ketanji Brown Jackson, and she just happened to be 
the most qualified and also the first black woman. Hey, I, I can live with that. I don't necessarily agree with where she stands on, say, issuing, you know, lenient child porn possession sentences, considering there is a former uh, Republican, like RNC aide, Senate aide for Republicans who he was just, you know, sentenced for uh, trying to procure child porn and he got a 12 year sentence. These other dudes got like, you know, three months. I'm not at all bothered by the fact that the guy is a Republican. He worked for my side, my side. I got to protect my side. No, I don't. I'm not going to rally behind him. I'm probably not going to rally in front of him either. I don't know what he might do to me. But I say good. I believe 12 years for trying to get child porn is completely, I still think that's a little on the, uh, little on the light side. Um, I think anyone who's trying to procure child porn, as well as those who are producing it, um, I believe they should have the ultimate cure of the lead suppository through the face. But that's just my opinion. But anyways, uh, I had a really hard time trying to succinctly come up with so many arguments about, you know, why Justice Brown Jackson was, um, you know, is, is her, is her appointment really that historic? However, uh, a person I follow on TikTok who I love his videos, he is a, he is a former jarhead. I, I'm sure if I, I, he heard me say former jarhead, he would take offense not being called jarhead, but you know the former because it, once a marine, always a marine. That's their mentality. Uh, this is the Professor Murphy and his take on Katanji Brown Jackson's, you know, confirmation. Okay, it's time to Murphy some shit. Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been confirmed to the United States Supreme Court, and everybody's talking about how historically significant it is, which raises some questions when it comes to liberal ideologies here. Number one, if we can't actually identify or define what exactly a woman is, then how can we say that it's historically significant that the first African-American woman has been nominated and confirmed to the Supreme Court? Based on the ideology of transgenderism, if Clarence Thomas came out tomorrow and said, nope, I'm actually a woman, would he then replace Judge Brown as the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court? This further insinuates that there's actually no difference between a man or a woman, which kind of nullifies the historical relevance and kind of nullifies part of the transgender argument in the first place. Now, on top of that, I thought we were getting away from utilizing the immutable characteristics of an individual to ascertain their worth, yet we're highlighting it here. Why? Liberals argue that there's no difference between races or gender, and if that's the case, then how is this in any way historically significant? Thinking outside the box, class dismissed. Yeah, that is the kind of wit and intelligence that I love to find with people. And like I said, it's TikTok. No one thinks of the kind of intellect being on TikTok. This guy is an amazing uh 
right-wing thinker. I'm going to reach out to him. We'll see if I can get him on the show. I would love to have an hour just to sit and go, you know what? I follow you on TikTok. Let's discuss some things. Or as he says, let's Murphy some shit. Um, like I said, the whole idea that this is so historic, yet at the same time, yet the number one female swimmer in America is not a female. That should say something. You know, you had the president of an NAACP chapter in Washington who was not black. However, she used a hella, hella lot of tanner to get some serious blackface going. Um, so really, where are we when I could say that I am an Asian woman and if you dispute that, you're the bigot. I'm not trying to take, I'm not somebody trying to take care of uh, or take advantage of any undue privilege that would come from being both Asian and a woman. I'm, I'm not the grifter. I'm not the person with some serious dysmorphia issues that should probably be dealt with with uh, some very, very good psychiatric help. No, 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 no. I am perfectly normal, perfectly acceptable. I must be accepted as who I am because if I say I am an Asian woman, then I am an Asian woman, period, end of story. Unfortunately, that's the stupidity of our society now. You know, Rachel Dolezal says that she's black. We have to say, well, okay, I, I guess she is. I, I can't say why, but um, I don't believe she's actually black. It looks like she uh, fell into a an entire vat of tanning lotion and uh, looks like it permanently dyed her skin a very dark bronze, uh, darker than Donald Trump even, so... Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. But you got a couple more stories got hit. Let's go with uh, a story of ineffectual politicking. So news has come out that the uh, Biden administration seeks to pull Title 42. However, Title 42, for those of you who don't know, that is a title within the Immigration Code that allows Bustums, Customs and Border Patrol, what they apprehend an illegal alien, if they have a serious communicable disease, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go back to your country of origin. Bye-bye. Well, during all of the COVID crazy, now don't get me wrong. At the worst of the COVID crazy, this was great. Oh, yeah, he tested positive for COVID. Um, go over there. Now that uh, COVID is letting up, They're just going to start letting 
people come across and not be tested. And even if they do test positive, we're not going to send back them, as Vicente Fox would say. Go ahead and put them on bus and ship them to somewhere within the interior of the country and let them go and just dump them, let them be indigent on the side of the road somewhere. (sighs) However, in the United States, though, American citizens... We still have to wear a mask if we want to fly. When I was at the VA clinic last week to see my podiatrist, I still had to wear a stupid mask. Even though you look around and you go, no, this is all a bunch of shenanigans and malarkey. It doesn't mean anything. The masks don't work. This has been scientifically proven that these paper masks they give you are at best, 10% effective. At worst, they're not effective at all. So why are we still doing this? When I go see my cardiologist next week at the VA hospital, I will have to wear a stupid mask. So on, so forth. I'm. It's probably going to be great when I'm laying in a... Uh, MRI, I probably won't be wearing a mask while I'm in the MRI because sometimes I have a little metal strip right there over, over the nose. Oh, nah, you can't have that because the giant magnet will suck it off your face. But American citizens are still being subject to dumb masking. Even though we're at an all-time low for deaths, I'm pretty sure we're having more deaths as a result of the jab than we are from COVID right now. But with all this going on, Senator Marco Rubio, he went full UN and he penned a strongly worded letter. Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio sent a letter Friday to President Joe Biden expressing his concerns with the administration's decision to extend the federal travel mask mandate and lift Title 42 at the border. The Daily Caller first obtained a letter to Biden, which Rubio mentioned his issues with the Biden administration's decision to end Title 42, a public health measure issued in response to the COVID-19 pandemic that allows Department of Homeland Security, DHS, to rapidly expel migrants on public health grounds. He also shared his confusion about the administration's decision to enforce a federal mask mandate on public transportation. Currently, in most states and cities, people can go into public indoor spaces without masks. But the CDC has maintained its mask mandate for passengers on planes and public transportation. The TSA announced in March that it would extend the current mask mandate for public transportation through April 18th. (sighs) Quote, I write to express concern and confusion with your administration's recently announced policies relating to immigration and travel across the United States. Over just a few weeks, you and your departments of Homeland Security and Transportation have conveyed to the American people incoherent, contradictory, and ultimately destructive priorities about the state of COVID-19 pandemic, our border security, and safety across our nation's system of air travel, Rubio wrote in the letter. It's just, it's it's like Russia getting a strongly worded letter from the uh, Security Council if they didn't veto it. Uh, uh Mr. Putin, uh, we're here to tell you that uh, 
what you're doing in Ukraine is wrong. And uh, we, we kindly ask you to stop, please, if you would, sir. Please don't hurt me. Um, Iran, what you're doing to, with funding all these troops, move, you know, attacking Israel and, you know, funding the, the Hutas in Yemen. We, we would like you to stop, please, if you would, if you don't mind. Oh, you do mind? You're not going to stop? Okay, well, we thought we'd just ask. You know, we, we think what you're doing is really wrong. We just want to let you know. and We think you should stop, but if you're not going to, that's fine, too. It, like I said, it's completely ineffectual, and, you know, there are ways to handle these disputes between Congress and the executive. It's almost like there's a court nearby, um, a supreme one at that. That's one of their jobs is to settle disputes between the branches of government. Uh, but what can we expect? However, I do have some good news that's come out in the last couple of days. Um, we had the first acquittal out of Washington, D.C. with the uh, 1-6 insurrection. Yeah, it wasn't an insurrection. It was a bunch of people acting like jackasses. Some cops got beat up, which happens when a bunch of people decide to act like jackasses. You know, we saw this across the country all through 2020, but I digress. Uh, One of the defendants, he's like, no, I'm not going to plead guilty. I want to go to trial. He took it to trial. And he was able to make the argument that, yes, as I came through the door, there was a cop holding the door open and waving people in. And he was acquitted on all charges because he was able to demonstrate that, oh, look, yeah, a cop let us in. And yeah, that's reasonable doubt. If he believes that cops let them in and he's able to convince a jury that Oh, it looked like the cop was just standing there holding the door open and just giving the old come on in gesture there. Well, hey, a win is a win. And speaking of wins, coming out of Michigan, jury refuses to convict men entrapped by FBI in Whitmer kidnapping plot. A jury refused on Friday to convict any of the four men standing trial for supposedly plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer after strong evidence that the FBI tricked them into the plan. After 20 days of trial, jurors determined that Daniel Harris, 24, and Brandon Caserta, 33, were not guilty of felony charges of conspiracy to, quote, Unlawfully seize, confine, kidnap, abduct, and carry away, and hold for ransom and reward, or otherwise, the governor of the state of Michigan. End quote. Jurors, however, cannot agree on the fates of Adam Fox, 38, and Barry Croft, Jr., 46, so the men left the trial with no verdict, and with the possibility of being brought to trial again. Which, if they're able to go refer back to this and like, look, we had all this evidence that they were, uh, that they're being set up to carry this out by 
FBI informants and, you know, and they weren't taking lead on anything and they were trying to back out. They're able to present evidence like that at a retrial. Now that uh, the, now the defense knows, okay, this worked the last time. Let's double down. Anywho, prosecutors representing the U.S. Department of Justice argue that the group of men were anti-government extremists who schemed to violently take down Whitmer for her role in promoting COVID-19 tyranny in Michigan. They exchanged lighter prison sentences for testimony from two other men found guilty of participating in the Whitmer kidnapping racket, helping absolve the government of any blame in the case. <laughs> when news of the alleged plot surfaced, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel and corporate media smeared the men accused of wrongdoing as white supremacists. Yes, because there's nothing more white supremacist than a bunch of white people trying to kidnap a white governor of an incredibly white state. Some, some journos blame the plot on President Donald Trump, even though some of the men involved were openly anti-Trump. Again, you want to go back to um, the whole fake news thing? Uh, quote, if, pres if the president read his intel briefings and understood the dogma of white nationalist groups, he'd realize that language like Liberate Michigan is read as tacit permission, if not explicit encouragement for militias to take action. Politico's chief political correspondent, Tim Alberta, wrote, Pushing Fake Narratives, Tim Alberta. Defense attorneys, however, countered that the government and media's attempts to pin the plot on Harris, Caserta, and others with and others with evidence that the FBI deliberately hatched the plot and manipulated the men into joining the motley crew led by government informants. District Court Judge Robert Jonker tried to stop the defense from raising issues of entrapment until after the government argued its case, but rescinded his decision after it became clear that the FBI's involvement in the plot could explain the defendant's participation. As Julie Kelly, a senior writer at American Greatness, documented in her work exposing the FBI's corruption, quote, more than a dozen FBI undercover agents and informants were involved in the kidnapping caper, end quote, and even paid tens of thousands of dollars by the government for their role. These agents and informants served in the key leadership positions of the militia group, trained the militia members in military tactics, and actively recruited participants and funded much of the militia's activities. Yeah. I mean, when over half the plotters are on the government take and they're the ones funding it, how, you're going, you're just trying to get four random dudes. It's like, oh, you can't, you joined us and so you're part of the plot, even though no one else is going to get punished, but you are. Uh, the FBI. The FBI's plot to entrap the men draws strong parallels to the intelligence agency's attempt to charge and convict a group for occupying federal land in Oregon. Brothers Ammon and Ryan Bundy were ultimately found not guilty of conspiracy and weapons charges in 2016 when evidence that the government used at least a dozen confidential informants to exacerbate the occupation. And the, the, 
this is one of those things. Uh, when I had my interview with uh, with the uh, Oswald Oswald Khan back at uh, released at the beginning of the year, he felt that that's what the FBI was trying to do with him because he wouldn't turn around and play informant because uh number one i'm not doing anything wrong number two i'm not involved with anyone who i even suspect of doing anything wrong so no i'm not going to play your stupid game and now he is on a terror watch list presumably and he is stuck in pakistan even though he wants to be in america a land that he loves a land that he spent Lots of time in as a young adult. He went to college here for Pete's sake. You know, he has an aunt who's a colonel in the military. He loves America, but he can't be here because our own government will be looking to arrest him all because he said, no, I'm not going to be an informant on things that I have no connection to. And there has been evidence over the years, time and time again, of you know, our federal government not coming across a radicalized individual looking to create havoc or sell you know, military plans or here's the best way to take out an M1 Abrams. More and more evidence is showing that a lot of those cases the people who did the radicalizing, it wasn't some imam having, you know, secret internet sites and either on the dark web or you just got to know which buttons the clickety click click to get to on a regular internet site to where you can find videos preaching fundamentalist, you know, radical ideologies. You don't have to find you don't have to go find a white nationalist website. These are people who you know maybe they have one or two traits that you know could make for an insider threat is you know military term here and So then the FBI said, oh, I bet we can, I bet we can hit on this and we can get them to radicalize. And then they find, they find the right buttons to push to manipulate these guys into who would on their own would never do anything like, Hey, I can tell you how to take out an one Abrams. You just do X, Y, and Z and kaboom, there's that blown up tank. They find guys who would never do that and they find these weak points and this, you know, they take a knife and they poke into the weak point and this keep working in there deeper, deeper until finally they, they convince these people that, Hey, yeah, you know what? You're right. I should sell you plans on how you can make an M1 Abrams tank go kaboom with minimal effort. And then they show up to make the, you know, to sell the documents and boom, they're arrested. But none of the, but you never, you rarely hear about all the evidence of, wait, 
these guys approached you and started talking to you and they started manipulating you into doing X, Y, and Z. That's entrapment. But it will never be prosecuted because, oh, the FBI, oh, doggone it. But the fact the judge said, no, you're not going to do this. And then as the prosecution gave more and more of their own evidence saying that, you know, that led to believe, uh, wow. They may have actually been more involved than they're letting on. And the judge goes, yeah, that order about it. You can't make the entrapment angle. Yeah, I'm take it back. So I'm glad to see there is some justice prevailing, at least half of that. You know, four guys who said, no, we're not taking the plea deal because we were getting railroaded. Versus the other guys who not only did they take the plea deal, but they also had to say, the government did not influence us in our decision-making at all. And the entire plot was ours to come up with. And it was totally not the feds who put the ideas into our head and funded the whole thing. Yeah. The whole fact that, you know, I would have changed my plea right then and there. As soon as I had to sign that document saying, yeah, the, we, the, no, nah, the government didn't do anything wrong. I had been like, um, yeah, I'm taking back that guilty plea. I'm pleading not guilty because I'm not signing that because it's a bald faced lie. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this evening. Again, thank you so much for those of you who tuned in listening live. Uh, I know I may be like, hey, but, um, again, thank you for sticking it out in the few snorts here and there as I'm trying to keep my sciences clear so I can actually talk. That sounds like me. Um, again, if, if, I can't thank y'all enough. Um, but if you want to support the show, you got a few ways you can do it. If you go to relentlessdaring.com, you will see that you'll have to scroll down on the home page. You'll see a donate now button for PayPal. You can click there, do a one time or recurring donation. That's number one. Number two, you like to provide financial support for this show because, hey, this was a you know, this hour was worth $3 of my money. And I get it. Inflation's kind of hitting hard. If you can, if you can donate to the show, please, please do. If you cannot, I am not going to hold it against you because you know what? I got bills to pay too. I, I know how it goes. If you'd like to donate money, if you like to buy a cup of coffee, that's what they call it. You can go to kofi.com. You can go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan show. And you can do a donation there. A one time, buy a cup of coffee, three, four, five, 20 bucks, wherever you want to give, or you can set up a recurring donation there as well. Or perhaps you're on the Venmos. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, my Venmo is at 
RDMP84. RDMP, as in Relentless Daring Media Productions, 84, the year of my birth. RDMP at RDMP84 at Venmo. So if you want to cash, so if you want to send me some money on Venmo, you can do it that way. Um, again, you can, all the money that comes from all this, it goes back into the show. I'm literally not making any money off this, but as money's coming in, it goes in the show. I'm breaking even, and that's about all I can hope for. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. Do the same four things I ask every week. Number one, please subscribe or hit the follow button, whatever it is on your platform of choice. That way you get the update every week when it comes in. Number two, please give me a five-star review. I'll accept four. I'll accept four. Three and below, we need to have a conversation. A very long, drawn-out conversation. I will pick on my most boring voice that I can imagine. I might try to channel my inner Ben Stein. But no, you cannot win my money. Number four. I skipped one. Number three, please write a review. Tell people what you like about the show. That's that way as it pops up as, Hey, you might like this. They can read the reviews and go, Oh, people generally like this show. Except for that guy called him a low rent Alex Jones. That's a compliment in the highest order in my book. And finally, number four, I got there. Stuff I, as long as I stop skipping steps, number four, please. Please send this show to somebody who you think will enjoy it. Or maybe, just perhaps, send it to someone who you think this will drive them absolutely bonkers because either A, they hate politics, or B, they're a left-wing nut, and you know this is going to get under their skin. Either way, I can live with it. Absolutely great. Hey, and just a heads up, coming up on Monday... Uh, that would be April the something or other. <laughs> uh, yeah, April the 11th. I will be doing an interview with. Oh, my gosh. This shows you how busy I have been. With Dr. Jerry Williams. He is a neurologist who he's the founder of Urgent Care 24-7 which is really big down in Georgia. Um, he spent the last two years treating COVID. And he has written a book called Fight COVID and Win, A Survival Guide. We're going to discuss his new book and the, uh, and the lessons that he has learned in fighting COVID over the last two years. So when I have that episode published, uh, please check it out as well. And be sure to check out Jerry Williams' book, if you get the opportunity, I'm sure it is absolutely amazing. So again, thank you for tuning in. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or RelentlessDaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from PurplePlanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1.7